We had a very fun interaction uh, earlier today. I I find one of the ways. I mean, clearly, overall, I am rocketing <laughs> at light speed towards crotchety old man status. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. I mean, you know, I I can't remember. I watch Saturday Night Live every week. I don't remember the last time I'd ever heard of the musical <laughs> musical guest. <laughs> I mean, I who, who was the music? Who was I've the already guest? forgotten? <laughs> which He's is already another young, sign okay. of. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Short-term memory. Uh, but there are a handful of ways where I feel like, hey, see, I've still got it. I'm with the kids. And one of them is is I keep using emoji more and more. And <laughs> I, I've oh, noticed. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, uh, when did iOS <laughs> add the feature where, where the, the auto-suggestions above the keyboard include emoji? I think that's iOS 10. Like, it just came out, like, five months ago, Right. But I've been using so too, it since yeah. the summer on betas. So I've, I've been using it for seven or eight months at least. Um, I have to say I never really noticed that. And I think part of it is I never use those auto-suggestions. Anyway. I should just close that and take the space back. I, it's like I'm looking at the keyboard while I type. And me looking at the keyboard yeah. while I type means I don't see anything above the keyboard. So I never use those. And I'll mm -hmm. bet people who do do type faster, you know, like – and it does seem when – I, when I do pay attention to it, it seems like the suggestions are uh, sometimes amazing where you can type a fairly long word and, and it guesses – you know, you type like a – or you type a few words and it guesses what the next right, word's right. Be. Like you type a u and somehow it guesses that you wanted to type the word authorized because of you know like the context of where it is. It's like wow, you could really save a lot of thumb taps by just a u and then auto consider. Anyway, I notice I've well you're you're too old yeah, for that but now. I'm starting to notice those emoji <laughs> that pop up as a suggestion, and so I sent one to you. I was. <laughs> and I said the word think, and when you type the word think, there's like a little like thought cloud with a thing. And you said, <laughs> you said it looks more like a fart than a than a thought. And I thought, well, I've got to use that immediately. And I, within like ten seconds of paging through, what can I connect the fart emoji to? <laughs> I found uh, the poodle, the dog, the dog emoji, and it's even pointing the right way. <laughs> Where the little the little dot of the the puffy cloud is coming from the dog, you should, and I have yeah. you should get that into the show notes. I happen show. to know that you you have a big white poodle. Mm -hmm. I do, yeah, I know. That's the great thing about that is like, I mean, he's not he's not. Thank God, you know, this was an argument early on when we got the dog with my wife. It was like, you know, if we're getting a poodle. I want it to be cut like a regular dog. I don't want to have a cut. Like, first of all, I wanted to be a big. I wanted to be a big poodle. I didn't want some tiny little like teacup you know thing that's like shaking all the time so uh so that was number one number two was like i can't have him cut like fancy <laughs> show poodle so he's mostly cut like a regular dog he's got he's got kind of like a poofy head and and uh and usually his tail is a little bushy but um for the for the rest the rest this is uh is usually is usually fairly uh straightforward dog cut so so he doesn't look exactly like that but he is he is white and uh and yeah so it's kind of it's kind of perfect <laughs> it is actually the emoji is actually named poodle it's i don't know why i don't know why poodles among all dogs deserve their own emoji like like what gets an emoji and what doesn't is sometimes so bizarrely mm -hmm. <laughs> like why yeah. is poodle yeah. its own thing it, how many other? Well, there must be other dogs there. I'm looking. I typed dog, and there's one that there's yeah, one that's a... just dog. It's just a generic dog, and then there's poodle, and I think that's it. 
Oh, and then there's also dog Just face. Got- there's also dog face. Oh yeah, there's yeah, there's faces. Yeah. <laughs> Poodles are great dogs. I I do not have a dog. Uh, this is a conversation that occasionally comes up in in the Gruber household of whether or not we should get a dog. Uh, my belief is that we travel too much and that 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 uh, and we don't have any kind of <laughs> friends or family <laughs> who live who live near us <laughs> by design. Uh, and so, you know, it would be like a kennel situation several times a year. And I just feel like, I don't feel like that's good for the dog. And, uh, I mean, I know that like that kennels are a little different than they used to be. I think that there's, there's oh, yeah. they're a little bit more yeah. like camp. <laughs> yeah. Spas. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's good. You know, like when we were kids, I mean, like when people had to put their dogs in a kennel, they just put them like in a cage, <laughs> like, like a little, yeah. <laughs> little yeah. two by four yeah. cage and it's that's that's terrible uh yeah yeah no he uh and he for a while he was going to like everyone like when we got des when we get desperate he's gone to uh, this place that has like they sleep in cages but then during the day it's a doggy daycare thing so he's out running around with a whole bunch of other dogs in like a in a big room um which is i think kind of fun for him although he doesn't i don't think he likes staying outside the house um, I think he gets anxiety about that. So he, um, now we have, uh, this, this, uh, the daughter of, of, of someone that Karen used to work with, um, and her boyfriend come and stay. Um, and, uh, I don't think the daughter likes Grant very much, <laughs> but the boyfriend loves Grant. <laughs> <laughs> so they take, they have a, they apparently have a great time together. Uh, <laughs> And they're they're coming back to the next time we go away. So they they've only done that once before, but we were gone for like two weeks. So, you know, <laughs> I think so. There's I think this is a Shiba Inu, as if I'm not mistaken. So there's there's poodle, and then there's Shiba Inu. Yeah, but but when you hover over it, it just says dog. So they might have that might oh, be what they've. Oh, okay, well, yeah, but I mean it's the right. Japanese dog, yeah. so so it makes sense that yeah. that would that would be the look. What's your dog's right. name? We could, we shouldn't just Grant. 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 Grant, like yeah. uh, like Ulysses mm-hmm. S, like Uli- uh, Ulysses S, yeah. I love a poodle. It was one of our. If we were ones, to get a dog, but... a poodle would be on the short list. You know, what you never hear about a poodle when you, somebody has a poodle. You never hear, well, that's a miserable, angry dog. <laughs> that's true. That's true. He's he's pretty good natured. I mean, he barks like crazy at you know anything that goes down the street, but he's he's good with us. Like, I mean, and the, you know, and the the kid. The kid's not bad now, but when he was a little younger, you know, he could, he could be rough and, and, uh, he's never, he's never yeah. bitten him. Amy had a poodle growing up named Andy and he was a good, he was a really good dog and he lived a very, I, so among the things that I like about poodles, they have good dispositions. They do not shed, uh, right. uh, and they're, they're hypoallergenic. Yeah. That's, that's the real reason um, we needed to get a poodle because Karen is Yeah. And even, but even if you're not allergic, it's like the, the, the stuff that people are allergic to, it's, you know, it kind of has a smell <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the hair thing is, it would drive me nuts. Uh, so good disposition. Uh, and they live a long time. They're, they're a long living uh, breed. I have a friend, a friend from college so. who has, uh, <laughs> well, I actually guess at this point it's been so long has had a series of great Danes with his wife and family. Oh yeah. And, they're, yeah. They're great Danes, they're beautiful dogs. I mean, they're magnificent. I mean, but you know, they're also to me terrifying because if they stood up, they'd be like eight feet tall. 
But but they're apparently so yes, good natured. They're absolutely. So sweet. That's what he yeah. says when we've talked about it. That they are, you know, they you know, uh, they really are like Marmaduke. <laughs> um, yeah. But they only yeah. live like six years. It's it's like heartbreaking. It's oh, like you're signing yeah. up for oh, like a series, a, a constant series of yeah. family heartbreak. Where, yeah. Where you, right, right. Where the dog is magnificent yeah. and has a great disposition and is truly part of the family and. <laughs> And, and then he's, he's gone. gone. <laughs> Karen was at the uh, at the vet with Grant one time, and uh, and there was a woman there with a Great Dane, and the the dog was just you know was completely a wreck because he was he knew he was at the vet and like you know it was totally nervous, and so he was <laughs> he was sitting on her lap, <laughs> but because because his front legs were so long, he had his front legs on on the floor <laughs> and his butt on her on the woman's lap. <laughs> And he could just like you know, then he was shivering because he was terrified. Uh, I Amy had a poodle, and he lived. I think Andy was. I, I swear to God, I think he might have been like eighteen when he died, which is yeah. I mean, oh, really? at least seventeen. It was really a long time, and he was like stone cold deaf for the last few years. Uh, and but but it was like as though he could still imagine sounds, <laughs> and so like he'd be sleeping, and there was this. It was it was so. He was just great. He was a great dog his whole life, and he was great in old age. But, you know, he, he, there was a vent near the the family, like, iMac to the side, a, a vent in the floor. And that was, like, his spot because he'd just get to soak up the heat. <laughs> mm-hmm. And every once yeah. in a while, he'd just snap out of his sleep because he, like, dreamed a sound and go <laughs> roaring towards the door like a young dog <laughs> barking up a storm, you know, like maybe he imagined the mailman was there, you know. But there was no longer any correlation between the mailman actually coming in when he would. <laughs> no, I had idea. no idea. Oh, man. I had, a, I had a dog growing up who was, uh, we, we got from, uh, 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 we just saw like an ad in the paper and just took like, not really a rescue dog, but just some, you know, I don't know, woman in a, literally like a trailer park, uh, Chester. I loved the son of a bitch, but he was, he was really <laughs> nasty. He was, he was, he was, uh, supposedly about three quarters poodle and one quarter Pekingese. And I think the nasty part came from the okay. Pekingese. He, he had... It does, yeah. Karen, Karen had Pekingese growing up, and she she uh, would get. She said she got bit all the time. They would just bite you constantly. Well, Chester, Chester would. Yeah. Uh, he was sort of built more like a poodle. Uh, did not shed, but he didn't. His hair was curly-ish, but not you know like poodle type curls, black and white. And he had a terrible underbite. Uh, <laughs> he was he was not from a <laughs> not from good breeding. But I love the son of a bitch. And when he was in a good mood, he was the greatest dog. And he was kind of smart. And in the winter, we used to put T-shirts on him. We would just buy like like a like a uh, you know so- size four Good-sized. toddler, cut out a little bit for yeah. peeing at the belly, uh, and then put it on backwards so that the logo would be on his back. And he used to love wearing shirts. And you could just say, "Chetty, go get your shirt." <laughs> and he would. He it was as though you said, "Chetty, I'm going to give you a hamburger." You know, like uh, he he would he would like light up and he'd go tearing to where we kept his shirt, get it, and then bring it to you. It wow. was it, he he could be so smart. But then That's the other great. thing he would like to do yeah. is he would like to uh, crawl under any of our sofas and just stay there for hours at a time. And if your feet got near him, he'd snap at him. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, swear to God, he'd stay under for three or four hours 
and 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 sometimes when he was down there, he would just go. He would just be like like a low growl, <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, little dogs like that. They have a tendency to to love being in because we had uh, we had uh, we had a Westie and a Scotty when I was growing up, and the Scotty actually the Scotty was half Westie too, and um, the Scotty. <laughs> They, which our two do- those two dogs did not get along, but the people who lived next door had a Westie, and our Scotty got along really well with their Westie, <laughs> and so that dog would come in and out of our house all the time. And um, I remember one time we had to go someplace, uh, and and they're like, "You gotta get, you gotta get." I can't remember that other dog's name. You gotta get him out, get him out. Um, and so I go up, I go upstairs, and the two of them are just like they're under my parents' bed. They're just like <laughs> under there, like making a fort, and you know, and I try and reach under there to grab them, and they're both like. <laughs> Like, I loved I loved Chetty. Like reaching into a den of raccoons. I loved that dog for his his effectively, you know, bipolar nature. Loved it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about Chester was he was a complete idiot. Uh he he whenever he met a strange dog, he would want to attack it. And you know, he was only like I don't know, less than knee high. It wasn't like a tiny little dog, but he, you know, he was like a regular poodle, not the big standard poodle size. Uh, and he would, he would go after yeah. like, you know, like if he saw like somebody walking a, a Doberman or whatever, he'd want to get in a fight. And it's like, what are you, <laughs> what are you thinking? You have no chance. <laughs> like if he was left to his own in nature, he'd be dead. He would, <laughs> he would find a big dog and go get killed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not bright. Uh, he did have, he had the same thing where he knew when he was going to the vet. And and he would be terrible. And he he we used to take him in a car, lots of places, including places that were in the general vicinity of where the vet was. And somehow he always knew, always. <laughs> yeah, well, he Grant was always like that with the, um, when we take him to doggy daycare. We don't take him very much anymore because we both work out of the house now. But um, when we'd get like close to the block where the doggy daycare was, he'd start going. <laughs> he'd just get super excited because he'd know that he was going to just run around like an idiot for four hours with some other dogs. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. So yeah, you All should right. get a dog. Um, <laughs> here, let me take a break. What a better what better time is there to talk <laughs> about a new sponsor? Here we go. This is great. Um, today's episode is brought to you by Set App S E T A P P. It's a revolutionary new service for discovering using the best apps for your Mac. What it is is effectively. I mean, this isn't their words, but uh, it's mine. It's Netflix. For Mac apps, you pay ten bucks a month. I think it's nine ninety nine. Ten bucks a month subscription, and you get access to all of the apps that are participating in their program. Developers obviously opt into this, and they've worked out some kind of deal where they all get a share. I don't know how they're doing it. Doesn't you know? It's not our business how they're dividing the money. But <laughs> MacPaw, it, 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 the service is brought to you by MacPaw, and they're a company that's been around um, for a long time. Uh, they do programs like Clean My Mac and a few others. They're, they've been indie developers for a long time. Great company. I've known them for a while, and they've sponsored Daring Fireball many times. Um, uh, Setup, they've been working on this for a while. They, they briefed me on this all the way back at WWDC. And it is, it's truly, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this just because they're sponsoring. It is a, a very ambitious idea. The idea is they're going to collect 10 bucks a month from tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, you know, who knows, at some point, a million users, whatever this is going to grow. And that these people will have this access to all of these apps. Right now, they just launched last month, just a few weeks ago. Um, 
some just a, I, I can't name all the apps, but these are really good apps. There's apps in there like Ulysses, which is a writing tool, sort of like a, a, a like Xcode for writing, like a thing where you can build up big writing projects. Rapid Weaver Seven, Clean My Mac from uh, MacPaw themselves, Ultima Player, and many, many more. Just go to setup.com and you can and you could see the whole list of software. There's no ads. They don't show you ads. There's no paid upgrades. When one of the apps in the program comes up with an update, you'll just get the software update. Uh, it's a just a huge collection, and the more successful it gets, the more apps might join in the future. I right now already, I have no hesitation saying that with the the library of apps that they have right now, as you listen to me say this, easily worth ten dollars a month. Easily, it's a value at ten dollars a month. If it grows even more, it's going to get even better. And here's the other thing: you can try it for thirty days for free. So you don't even have to pay them the first $10 up front to get it. You can just go there, sign up, see how it works, see how easy it is, see how many apps there are. And at the end of the month, when it, even if there's just like one or two of the apps that you like, you're already getting a pretty good deal. Uh, you just pay $10 a month. So go to setapp.com. Uh, it's really, I, I've ne- there's never been anybody, there have been bundles before many times. There still are on the Mac where you can pay uh, a low fee. Like you pay 50 bucks one time and you get a bundle of three or four or $500 worth of apps. And there you go. Um, there've been bundles before Apple several years ago introduced the app store, which is a new thing, but there's never been anything like this, like a subscription service where you get, um, apps from an entire a wide range of indie mac developers so i really hope this thing takes off i think it's already a great value go to setup.com and find out more no special url no code they just they just want setup.com they'll know that they're daring yeah i'd heard, I'd heard about this and i couldn't i didn't know how exactly how it works that's really it's, cool. it, it is as simple as and, it sounds there is no catch there is no catch. There's no yeah. ads. There's no hook. There's no thing where you have to pay more. There's no, they're not junior versions of the programs. It is exactly what you, th- if you're thinking it's too good to be yeah. true, it, it, it's, it's not, there is no catch. If there, the thing I always find with those bundles is they often um, like developers seem to like put, they, they'll put their previous mm-hmm. version right. into the bundle because they know the new version is coming out soon. So they want to get you to pay the upgrade right. price when the new version comes out. Um, but this is right. not that. It's you know it, when I when they first pitched me on it at WWDC, they you know they wanted a couple minutes with me just to you know see what I thought, my ideas. I, I was I got very defensive in the meeting. Not you know I like them; they're nice people. But I did because I thought, <laughs> well, tell me what the catch is. And I really my gut feeling was, you know, and they were talking like we think you know we'll sponsor Daring Fireball when we come out and and maybe the talk show, etc. And my thought at the first moment was, I don't know if I'm going to be able to accept this because if there's going to be some kind of onerous catch that's going to trick people i don't i you know that you know and there is no catch i wouldn't take the sponsorship if there were it's that simple and it's a great deal so go check them out set up setapp.com uh we could parlay that into uh one of the topics i wanted to talk about this week was uh the ipad now this setup is obviously because of the mm-hmm. nature of ios it's mac only um one of the things i've written about this week and and um was the difference between uh, the iPad as a seven-year-old platform and the Mac as a seven-year-old platform back in 1991 and just how much more uh, powerful the Mac was as a 
platform after seven years than the iPad is. In terms of, I, I struggled to find a term for this. Self, I called it self-sufficiency. In other words, can you just use this platform to do everything? Like, And two examples of things that you can't do on an iPad would be you can't make iPad apps on an iPad because there's no there's no Xcode for iPad or anything like you know even similar. Um, and the other example, which I think is a little bit more like like a head scratcher, is that you can't make you can't. There's no iBooks author for iPad. Like it's clear mm-hmm. that i iBooks author the the that that format is best on iPad. You it works on your phone. And you can read it on your Mac too in, in the iBooks app. But when somebody makes one of these rich interactive iBooks, it, it is no doubt in my mind that it is best on an iPad with touch and with the the sort of viewing intimacy of the iPad. That when you read a book, you know it's, it's no surprise. This is literally from like the 2010 iPad announcement with Steve Jobs, you know, why he had that chair there. It's, it's a device for like sitting back in a chair and reading, which is what you do with a book. Um, but you can't make an iPad book on an iPad because there's no iPad author or what's it? Is that what it's called? Or iBooks author. iBooks yeah. author. No, no, no uh, iBooks is author, only yeah. a Mac app. And I think that's a little weird. I think, you know, like it would have been weird if seven years into the Mac, you still couldn't create Mac apps on a Mac and even weirder <laughs> if you couldn't create like, the documents you you want to read on the Mac on the Mac. Yeah. And it seems like an easy way. I mean, it seems like an easy one to do. I mean, like and not necessarily easy, like from a program programming perspective, but it doesn't um, really ruin their philosophy right. to do that. I mean, it works with the philosophy and rather than against it. Uh, I think, yeah. And I think that, the Xcode, the idea of Xcode on iPad, um, sort of works against that philosophy. I think. I think it will yeah. happen eventually. Yeah. I think, and I, I'm pretty sure Apple yeah. is working on it. I'm pretty sure there is an Xcode for iPad that's been several years in the works in Cupertino, but it's a lower priority. But I sort of get. Yeah, I don't have any information on how it works. I just know that there's a team working on something like that. But shocker, there's teams working on just about anything that makes sense like that. Um, but I kind of think, though, that it might be a different way of making apps. Like, I don't like the way that Xcode works now on the Mac is a very, very Unixy behind the scenes, is a very, very Unixy mm-hmm. uh, thing. It's yeah. just a visual front end for a lot of things that run at the command line level, which isn't really. There is a Unix, you know, obviously with the core OS being the same, that's there on iPad, but. I'm not quite sure that that works, that that would work the same way. I think it might be like a more simplified way to make apps. They would be real apps, but more, uh, I don't know, less less fiddly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Flash? Sort of, maybe. You know, like, like <laughs> I wouldn't be right? surprised if, I, I would guess that it would work like this, like that they'd come out with like a, a new way to make apps that's a little simpler, a little bit higher level, more abstract. Um, and you could share that same project with Xcode on the Mac so that the one you're developing on the iPad, you could develop on the Mac. But if you have a more complex app or a legacy app that was already started on Xcode on the Mac, that not every, not everything you do on the Mac, you could do on the iPad version, but everything you do on Mm -hmm. the iPad, you could do on the Mac. Does that make sense? I could see that. Um, 
But I think that the, the iBooks author thing is more telling about Apple's priorities and, and where they see the iPad. I just, because I think it, in theory, it should be there. And I think one of the reasons it's not is sort of proof on, on this whole, like, uh, are, are people worried about Apple's commitment to the future of the Mac? I think it's one of those things that, that makes my case, which I've been arguing on the show with the last few guests in favor of, I don't think Apple has, I don't think Apple is any less committed to the Mac than at any point in the past. I think the Mac has a bright future. And I think the fact that they don't have, I, you know, they see it as fine that iBooks author is Mac only is, is evidence of that. Yeah, but when was the last time they updated it? There was a minor update in, I looked, I thought it was like forever ago. Um, like maybe the bigger problem with iBooks author is that they're just not committed to iBooks period. That they've yeah. sort of lost their uh, corporate, uh, I don't know, I was, <laughs> was going to say stiffy, <laughs> stiffy for iBooks <laughs> ever since, uh, uh, you know. Since they got, I mean, they they sued. they came out of the gate. I mean, they even had a special event just for iBooks. It was that weird one-off event at the yeah. Uh, what the heck is the name of that museum in New York? I'm terrible with stuff like that. Anyway, the the one from Men in Black. <laughs> I know it was Men in Black. Uh, they had a big. It was in Men yeah, in Black. The, it, like in the first Men in Black where. Uh, uh, Oh, were they yeah. in the beginning where yeah, he chases before he's, Is it the Guggenheim? Yeah, the Guggenheim. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Will Smith chases an alien at, uh, up there, and that's how he yeah. kind of draws the attention yeah. of the men in black. Yeah. Just as a quick aside, uh, Peter Peter Cohen mentioned this today on Twitter, which blew my mind. Um, did you know that the you know the guy the, you know Egger in that in that which movie? movie the guy uh, the, the 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 bug that puts the skin on the guy's skin on. Oh the. The, the alien, yeah. the alien, like, I mean, he's like, he's the, I mean, he's like the main bad yeah, guy, right? Yeah. And he, you know, but he skins that, he eats the guy, he yeah. skins him and puts his skin on. That, that's Vincent yes, D'Onofrio. I knew that. I had no idea. That blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Anyway. I did know that. Uh, he doesn't really, I think it's easy. To, he doesn't really look like him f for more than 30 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. maybe if that's you listen why. to him though, it's you can definitely hear that it's him. <laughs> Good movie, I love that movie. That's um, a great movie. I I see it as evidence that Apple is committed to the Mac that they're willing to do it. I would be frustrated though. What I would be frustrated and and it's fine by me because I love the Mac. I would rather, I would gladly if somebody said to me. You can only use out of iPhone, iPad, and Mac. You can only use two of the three for the next year, and you can't touch the other one. I would instant. It would take me. It would take me less time than to say it. I would just say, get rid of the iPad. I, I was, Mac and iPhone are all I need. iPad is totally a secondary thing for me. Um, I, in fact, I sometimes go like a week and I don't even know where the hell my iPad is. Um, <laughs> I do like it. I, I use it mostly. I. I'd swear my most frequent use is in baseball season using it as a TV to watch Yankees games. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's probably, I mean, I think entertainment is now, I used to take it when I commuted up to Seattle, I would take it to write with, um, with a keyboard. Uh, but now it's basically, um, it's basically games and, and watching Netflix. Um, anything. So, so for me as somebody who from my work wants the Mac to remain a thriving platform, uh, 
it's music to my ears. Like I would actually be slightly more worried if the iPad were more capable because it would at least lend some credence to the idea that Apple thinks the iPad is the future of personal computing. The fact that it isn't, even after seven years, it actually just gives me confidence in their commitment to the Mac. But I'd be frustrated and it would be angering to me if I were one of the people who's really trying to make a go of of using the iPad as their full-time platform, you know, the Ben Brookses and, and Federico's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of the world. I would find that very frustrating because it's a seven years. It really makes me think about, you know, this comparison to, um, and, and for some reason, I mean, seven seems like an arbitrary number, but it's funny because 1991 was when I got my first Mac. I mean, I used one in school before, but I didn't own one. And it's when system seven came out, which I've, you know, was a big, big landmark in, uh, I mean, I think it was the landmark. Yeah, the early days. I, of- I would say System 7 was the division between the early days of Mac OS and the later days of Mac OS. I mean, maybe that's a little arbitrary, but I don't think so. I mean, it was when they changed a whole bunch of things. Like, remember when uh, control panels... I forget how you used to install them in System 6. They were sort of more like like suitcase-type things. Wherein, oh, yeah, that's right. right. God, it, that's and, right, yeah. Third-party ones were weird, and then in (laughs) System 7, control panels became a lot more like apps, where they were just self-contained things, and you just put them in a folder, and there was your system folder at the root level, and inside was a folder called control panels, and you just put them in there. And you wanted to uninstall one, you just took it out and restarted. Um, <laughs> it was a beautiful system. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was, it so was. <laughs> it just, it would just crash. Well, all no, the time. I disagree. I, I disagree. <laughs> I really do. I don't like it when people say that, that the system set from era max crashed all the time. I think the arc of the arc <laughs> of being a power user on, on system seven era max was you would start running the basic system. And you would be like, you'd fall in love with a Mac, mm-hmm. and then you'd get into the nerd community, and you'd start finding out about Inets, <laughs> yeah, and extensions. Yeah. And these extensions could sometimes yeah. do like just change like a little slight thing, but it's like, ooh, I like that. Uh, like now your mouse cursor is a dog, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's right. A and that's kind of easy. Like <laughs> all that init would do is just sort of swap out the system's cursor and point to this other cursor instead. And okay, there you go. Now your cursor is a Smurf. Uh, uh, and you know you'd get more and more uh, you know and then all of a, all of a yeah, sudden I when you go the, empty trash right. Oscar Oscar the Grouch pops out of your trash can and <laughs> sings a song which was adorable like if you didn't have the Grouch extension installed on your Mac for at least a month or two then you've got no soul <laughs> and but the problem, yeah. But the problem is, it leads to such. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what happened was like in those early days, we didn't have enough stuff that would, you know, really cause a lot of trouble. And then as more things came out, it became worse right. and worse and worse. And then you know, by the time System Eight came out, they had to have like, well, the- <laughs> uh, basically put a thing in there to manage right. all your freaking. Well- <laughs> I remember specifically the one that everybody knew. I mean, at least anybody who did design work had to have an extension called Adobe Type Manager, ATM. Did you have have ATM? Or no, because you didn't? Uh, I don't think I did, but I didn't do that So the thing that ATM did was natively um, the system wanted true type fonts for vector fonts, but almost all of the professional fonts that you could buy were in PostScript format. Um. 
And to get them to look WYSIWYG on screen, you needed Adobe Type Manager. Apple's system didn't natively render um, PostScript fonts. And you mm-hmm. needed PostScript fonts to do serious work, so you'd have to have ATM installed. But ATM would load first because it starts with an A. I mean, it almost certainly loaded first, and if not, it loaded certainly loaded early. But you <laughs> you had to load it last because it it would it conflicted with so much stuff. You had to load it last. So everybody, I think it even shipped. I think when you installed it from Adobe, if you bought it straight up legit, I forget even if you had to buy it. Maybe they gave it away. But the way Adobe gave it to you, the file was named like tilde ATM or. I forget what character it was before it, but it was some kind of punctuation character that in Apple's sorting algorithm of the time would load last. <laughs> and that, that was a little... <laughs> anyway, in my opinion, the curve of being a Mac Power user in, in the 90s was you'd, you'd start getting more and more extensions. And remember when you'd boot and you'd see the, every time an extension loaded, you'd see the icon during the boot sequence, and then you'd get mm-hmm. a second line of them, <laughs> a third line... So it was like a, a bell curve. You'd start getting... And then a get, bomb. No, no, no. Then it would just stop. You Like one of them would load and it would just stop. And you'd be like, oh, that's shit. Uh, and then you do... You would, uh, do you, I mean, everybody remembers. You got to remember. How did you How did you start up and not load extensions? Shift uh, key, shift of course. Key. Right? You didn't even have to... You probably had to think more about it to say it. Yeah. Your, your hand probably already went to the shift key. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> like it was just you just had muscle memory of how to restart your Mac with the shift key down. No, but then what would happen is you'd max out and you'd be so proud of how many extensions you have, but your Mac would be unstable. And then all of a sudden you'd you would the, you'd, the light would shine and you'd say more extensions is not a good thing. Fewer extensions, and you should run it closer and closer, as close as you can to the configuration it ships with. Like a a, a a Mac out of the box from Apple without any other extensions was always an extremely stable device. Now, it, I'm not saying yeah. it never crashed. I mean, but usually it was completely an application's fault. The system itself was stable. And so by the end of it, you know, by the end of the classic era, I had as, as few system extensions as possible. Every one was one that I felt like I could not do without. And from a, a reputable vendor. Yeah. And you, you develop right. sets. Right. With Conflict Catcher. Because, like, yeah, if I'm going to do, like, publishing today, and then I'll boot with my publishing set. And if I'm going to play, like, a game and I need some sort of 3D thing. And a minimal. And, and the other thing, sometimes, if you wanted to play a game, is you'd, you'd reboot with a minimal set just to free up as much RAM as mm-hmm. possible. And keep it keep it as light <laughs> as possible. RAM double. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I love the Mac. I thought – I love the classic Mac. I, I think it still is overall a simpler conceptual design than Mac OS X. I think Mac OS X is way too fiddly and exposes way too many goofy bits. I, you know, iOS clearly takes the cake and, and – and, Yeah. I've become comfortable with the goofy bits right. at this point, but there is a – there is a. I mean, the fact that you can, you can just drag a system folder um, from Mac to Mac and reboot it. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, but there there were definitely some parts of the classic Mac system that you can, cannot defend as elegant design. Like, yeah. for example, yeah. by the 90s, this is just an... In the 80s, when it came out, it made perfect sense. 
but in the 90s, by the by, it should have been fixed with System 7, but I know why it wasn't, because of legacy reasons that they were carrying all this baggage. But the fact that you had to allocate memory to the programs with GetInfo. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. For people who weren't classic <laughs> Mac OS users, what you would do is you'd find any application, and you'd go GetInfo. And in the info, it would have a text field where it would say how much RAM was allocated. And so developers, when they ship their apps, would buy, you know, typically... They they would have an, a basic idea. They would well, take it they all. Would, they would have you know they would ship it with a, a pre configured like when you first downloaded the app or yeah. installed it, it would have a default that was defined by the developer. So Photoshop by default would take a lot more RAM than you know a, a simple uh, a very simple lightweight app that just I don't know capitalizes all letters for you or something like that. But you could, as the user, it was just a text field in GetInfo. You could give an app more or less <laughs> as needed. <laughs> it does not seem like something that the computer for the rest of us should should force you to do. Yeah, really. Yeah. All right, I can't defend that. Yeah, and I and I can remember like in, you know, not that Windows ninety five was great or, um, but you know, at least like some some level of protected right. memory uh, was. Was the the one thing that I was like, oh man, that would be nice to. The very, the very, <laughs> I'm not the switching, very, but I really the want very that. best Mac apps had programmers who were clever enough to get around it. So Photoshop, at a certain point, used to use a RAM disk, its own RAM disk, and so you didn't have to. You could open big files in Photoshop and not have to really worry about having given it enough RAM. It, it would do it on its own. And BB mm-hmm. Edit famously yeah. was able to operate with a very small. It was like. The, the the instructions for BB Edit were do not screw with the default amount of RAM. Uh, it doesn't need much. And BB Edit had a, a a a brilliant scheme where you could open files. You know, a, 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 as big as the text file is, is how much RAM BB Edit needs to to display it. But it could be way more than what the app had because it would allocate the memory outside of that allocation that you got from Get Info. It managed its own memory separately, which was fantastic. Um. But neither here nor there. Uh, I don't know. What do you? I would be frustrated if I were an iPad first user. I guess it really depends on what you're. I mean, it just depends on what you're doing. I think there's there's definitely there are definitely things that I do that would uh, would find frustrating, but I don't do them that often. I think I'm somebody who probably could do most of my work on an iPad. I, I, there's no way I could. Um, because it's mostly I'm mostly I'm writing and then I'm taking it and I use Ulysses, which is one of those apps in set up, and, uh, and that's in setup. And um, I I write it up and then I take it and I I put it someplace. You know, I usually I either I either take the file and send it to somebody or I um, post it into uh, some sort of web based right. CMS. So, how would you be recording this do. podcast? Well, that's a that's a that's one thing, right? <laughs> You can't. I mean, you can report record podcasts on iOS devices. I have not done it. Yeah, but, it's just, uh, but it's jumping through a whole bunch of hoops. Whereas there's like ten different yeah, there's ten right. different easy ways to record a podcast on a Mac, at least, right? You just mm-hmm. open. I'm using two separate ones right now. <laughs> uh yeah. No, I guess I'm just using one. But that's you're probably smarter than me. <laughs> Well, it's because it's because right. it had problems. But it's like you can record. You just have these other apps running, and you know, or I use Call Recorder, which is an extension for Skype. And there's no way that you can uh, install an extension for an app on iPad. Um, yeah, and there's just no. It, it, I don't know. It's just another example of 
the type of thing. And I know that I've listened to a couple of podcasts where um, uh, there's like a web-based thing that somebody's working on. I forget the name of it. I heard Snell talking about it recently. Um, oh, to edit Yeah, but I think you can right? like record too. It's like a way that like a group okay. of people can get on and you just use – I think it's ridiculous that the answer to getting – people to record podcasts on an iPad is to use a web app instead of a native app because it, the gist of it is that all you need is the microphone then and the server side does the recording you know like it records the the web app records little bits and as you go keep sending it to the server so like if the connection breaks or whatever it's not you know you don't lose the whole you only lose like a couple seconds at a time um mm-hmm. i think it's ridiculous that it's not a, a local thing that the solution is to do it all on the web Anyway, I, the gist of it is that in, in the midst of yeah. all of this months long uh, sturm und drang over, oh, I think Apple is, I think Apple's, you know, abandoning the Mac. I think they're trying to force us all to use iPads. And in the midst of all this, I've been more or less on this side of, I don't think so. I really think the Mac is fine. But I think lost in this is the opposite, which is uh, the iPad is nowhere near as powerful as it should be at this point in time. You should be able to record a, yeah. you know, have, uh, record a podcast you know through native yeah. apps there should be a way to have two apps at a time using the microphone so that one could be skype sending the communication over the internet and the other one can be a call recorder type thing there's no way there's no reason you shouldn't be mm-hmm. able to do that uh yeah I, I i don't know i'd be frustrated i think that the is it is it i mean is it still just the thing of like walking and chewing gum at the same maybe time? Like, I, or do we keep coming back to that one right. particular i don't know problem. i don't know you know maybe um i think the other thing too i've been thinking about this a lot lately too is where does this idea that the that the ipad is that the apple's going to push the sweep the mac aside in favor of the ipad i think it, a large part comes down to what tim cook said when they debuted mm-hmm. the ipad pro where tim cook right. said i don't have it in front of me but it's something to the effect of He's, I mean, he said he doesn't use a Mac. No, he anymore, never right? said that. He's never said that. He has said that he. Okay. I think he said that he's traveled only with an iPad. Um, but it, like, like when he went to, um, or not when he went to, when he invited ABC News into his his office in Cupertino to do an interview about the FBI um, San Bernardino case. There's a big iMac on his desk. There's a five K iMac on his desk. So I mean, he's got one on his desk. I can't. If he didn't use it, I can't imagine why he'd have it on his desk. Um, I find it very hard to believe that Tim Cook does not use a Mac. I, I would be shocked if he actually said that. He has said that he travels only with an iPad. He has said that he thinks there's many people, many users who can get by with only an iPad. But I think it was his words that this is our the best uh, like example of our vision for the future of personal computing. You know, it said something to mm-hmm. the effect of that. And I think that it was... I, I, if you take it literally, it sort of sounds like yeah, he's saying that that this is going to be the future and and everything else like the you know which would include the Mac is is by the wayside. I think he was just selling the iPad Pro. I, I don't really think he meant it that way. I think that yeah, I think that the better. I mean the pro- the problem is that you know you have that you have that statement you have some at least you know I think there's a there's a at least a couple statements that he's he's made about stuff like that and then. Um, and then you know they have a year like 2016 where they don't really update the Mac right. very much, and they have the the desktop ones are just sitting right. there. I think that 
So the convergence of those two things makes yeah. people think. But I don't think that it's Which an is, example of you know, it. Right, they good. didn't update the iPad. They haven't updated the iPad in over a year either, right? Well, didn't the, the, the 12, what, the, the Pro, the smaller Pro came out in April, right? No. It, yeah, yeah, last April. So it'll be a, yeah. if they have or March, I guess it'll be you know, a it'll year. be a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't right. do it in the fall, which they uh, right. And yeah, like and so the twelve inch or thirteen inch iPad Pro hasn't been updated now in over a year. It came out alongside the the iPhone last year, or at least it was debuted alongside the iPhone and came out in October or whatever. Um, but that's been unchanged for over a year. So I don't think I I I, I think that lack of updates to hardware should not are not necessarily indicative of their commitment to. Um, to the platform. I think that the annual update to the OS is a better sign of their commitment to the platform. Mm, yeah. I don't know what the explanation is, but I'd be frustrated. Um, hey, with the Ulysses, was my description of it as sort of like an IDE for writing? Is that, is that a good description? Like a, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, uh, to me, it, I mean, I used to write in BB edit all the time. Um, and I mostly write in Markdown. And so, uh, but I wanted something that was better at arranging the files. Mm. Um, so Ulysses is like that. Um, it gives you, you know, you can create folders and projects and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's, it's somewhere in between, you know, it's like between BB edit and, um, Mm. Scrivener, you know, it's not as fancy as Scrivener. It doesn't have, uh, you know, things for writing scripts and things like that. You can't put, I mean, you can you can't put pictures in and like, you know, scrapbook stuff that when you're building characters and things, you know, things to write books, if you're writing of like a full book, you probably want to use Scrivener, but you could write a full book in Ulysses right. too. And um, it has an iPad so. version and and they sync, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's the nice thing. Yeah. I mean, and I, yeah. So it works on the iPhone, iPad and yeah. on the Mac. It's always and been one of those apps that sort of appeals to me, but never, it never pushes me over the edge. It took me a while. It really took me a while to get used to it. I had been using BB Edit for years, um, and I couldn't get used to it. Um, but then finally, I think it was like one of the recent updates. So I, I've been using it for, God, two years, a year and a half, something like that. Um, and very happy with it. I still use BB Edit for certain things, but. And, you know, I know Apple um, has done, Apple has some of their apps that work great cross platform. I think that the, the, I have complaints about the Mac version of Photos being not Mac-like enough and sort of it just feels like an app written by iOS programmers, not Mac programmers. Um, but mm-hmm. in terms of actually syncing and having photos that I take on my iPhone just magically appear on my Mac and changes, you know, I edit, I straighten it. You know, I, one of the things, I, I mean, I take thousands of photos a year and I'm like not serious, but like semi-serious. You know, I own like a... a $4,000 Canon SLR, uh, you know, with counting the lenses. Uh, I cannot take a straight picture. I, I mean, 20 years into a, a avid amateur photography hobby, I st- every, almost every photo I take, the horizon is, is crooked. <laughs> so, like, straightening images is just, I do it all the time. And I love that you straighten it on. It doesn't matter which device you straighten it on. There it is. It's synced up to your iCloud. I love it. Um, and the iWorks suite, now that they've, you know, they had the, hit the reset button, you know, for years, there was like the iOS versions, which had a certain file format, and the Mac versions, which had file formats that couldn't round trip because it used features. And they hit the reset button, and the, the only way to do it is to sort of set the Mac back 
but they've gotten them to the point now where most of what the the Mac apps could always do, they can do everywhere now. You know, so the iWorks mm-hmm. apps are a good example. But Ulysses just shows that third party developers, and I, I think in a lot of ways, are better are doing a better job of making the iPad appear to the Mac of uh, a peer, uh, not a peer. Yes, uh, yeah, right. A sibling, a full fledged sibling to the Mac mm-hmm. than Apple is, you know, and with iBooks author as, yeah. as, as exhibit A. Yeah. It's a fairly, I mean, it's a relatively simple app. I would, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to, that's probably, that came out wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things right. I like about it. It's not, there aren't, there aren't like a huge number of bells and whistles and, and it, you know, it lets you get into the writing, which is what yeah. you want to do. Um, but it gives me enough flexibility in terms of arranging things that it's, it's got exactly yeah. what I want. Um, so it, it, you know, it hasn't, doesn't have to do anything super freaky, like, um, you know, stuff that's not yeah. allowed on. You iOS. know who else is doing so an amazing well. job on, on treating the iPad as a, as a first class platform for creative people is Omni group. Yeah. I, it, yeah. Again, I, I, I think better than Apple. I, I, I really do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, they're like, they're the, at the forefront and they made that decision. Right. Um, and I mean, I'm assuming that it's working out well enough for them. I, I, well, <laughs> I hope yeah, so. I, my understanding is, yeah. I've always loved yeah, their apps. But, I th- but I, they really, it, and I think that they did it in a way where the Mac versions of their apps never suffered. Like they, the Mac versions of Omni apps yeah. never had like an 18 month period where they were uh, like, one step forward, two steps back to get iOS compatibility. So it, really, I mean, I mm-hmm. would hold them up as a better example than Apple of, of how to get, uh, you know, uh, iPad versions and Mac versions that just work together. Um, yeah. And they, did you see that uh, Ken Case, founder, co-founder of, of the Omni Group, CEO, he had his annual, uh, you know, here's what, you know, here's what 2016 was for us. And here's what we're looking at in 2017. Did you see that post? No. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. I, I swear to God, I'm typing it in right now. Here we go. <laughs> uh, the one of the it, it, I won't go into details on the app by app basis, but one of the things that was fascinating about it is that um, they have hired Sal Soyahan, who was formerly longtime Apple uh, evangelist mm. for mm-hmm. uh, automation technologies i believe was what his group was right. called which was apple script and automator and uh you know stuff in that area um and sal left apple uh was it early december somewhere around there and um seemingly you know the the details are not public but it's you know the gist of it and and sal had a piece that he wrote for mac stories uh you know, it's suggesting that Apple seems to think that extensions are the future of automation, meaning like the little sharing sheet things that you have now where you can, uh, like if you have the, you know, I have like a, uh, I, I use a bookmarking service called Pinboard and I have an app called Pinner on my iPhone. And when I have a URL and go to share it, I get a little extension up there that says add, add to Pinboard. And I can just tap that and, mm-hmm. it, and it goes that that sort of thing is the future of automation and it's not like scripting or something like that. Um, which it, it, extensions are great, but it's a 
totally separate thing. It's like saying it really is like yeah. saying the future of citrus is apples. You know, it's like uh, that's not citrus. You know, <laughs> you know, what I mean, apples are great, but we need oranges and lemons and limes. I mean, you can't. You know, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do if you make a martini? You can't put a goddamn apple peel in it. Uh, you need a lemon peel. Uh, I mean, that's a terrible analogy because. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Ken Case uh, revealed in his year in review thing that the Omni Group has been consulting with Sal uh, since he left Apple. Like, and they're smart. It's just one of those ways where the Omni Group is so smart, where it's like Sal says, uh, yeah. Well, after 20 years, I'm leaving Apple. And the Omni Group was like, Quick, let's get him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> right. I mean, there's yeah. got to be a bunch of other companies like, Oh, shit, we should have. We should get in line. <laughs> now that I mean, now that you mentioned that, I remember that. I remember that um, hearing about right. that at any rate. And I don't think. I mean, they don't. They haven't really like shown their no. hand yet, right? But, but they have a. They've revealed uh, a demo anyway. They've got engineers working on, um, or at least an engineer uh, working on a a cross platform scripting system for the Omni Group apps. Um, uh, but it's now how is that going to work you know there's like on the mac there's the the apple script is there it's part of the system i mean it's really the osa but it's apple events are part of the system and there's a standard way for developers to add scripting support to their apps and that the same way that you know the same things that you do as a developer to make your app scriptable by apple script or javascript which is now a first class officially supported language for scripting apps on mac also it is along the lines of doing this it's the same work that you have to do to get automator support for your app so you can make your app part of an automator um process um you can't do it. There's no Apple events on iOS. So if, and, and there's no real alternative to it. So the Omni group is doing their own thing. Um, forget what they're calling it, but it's based on JavaScript because part of the reason that, you know, developers, that it's tricky for developers to do something like this is that the rules for the app store on iOS are that you can't add an interpreter to your app. In other words, you can't have an app that makes apps, even if it runs within itself. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is use the system version of JavaScript that comes with WebKit. And so you can use JavaScript, the JavaScript that comes with the system. Um, and it, presumably that's what Apple's or what Omni's doing because they're saying that their, their, uh, their scripting technology is based on, on uh, JavaScript. But the gist of it is, and, and there's an example script that they show an animation of that I guess Sal wrote, uh, you make a rectangle and then you make a circle out of the rectangle and you color it green and then position it at a certain point. It's, it's, he's scripting their, their drawing app OmniGraffle and that these same scripts are going to be cross platform Mac and iOS, which is really, it, we haven't had that. It's great, but it, yeah. it, to me, I read this and I think this is great and it makes, you know, uh, it, it, helps establish Omni as like the leading indie Apple developer, Apple platform developer today. But this is the sort of thing that should be coming from Apple, not from a third party developer. It should be yeah. the same thing for right. it, for all apps. I mean, that's one of the reasons Apple script, yeah. I say what you want about the language, but one of the reasons it's a great technology was before Apple script in the early days of the Mac, there were any app that wanted to have like an automation. I mean, we used to call them macros. Nobody uses the word macro anymore, but it's the same idea, Right. But any app that had yeah. macros or or something like that had their own thing. It was all you know. That's how I that's how I got into. That's how I like I started my my career in IT was basically doing macros 
So I, they, I, you know, I came to work in the financial department and they had all these spreadsheets that they were doing, you know, all this stuff manually. And so I started out just by taking, taking Excel and just, and doing like arrowing, having an arrow over arrow through cells instead of like really learning before I learned how to do any kind of programming. It was just like down one cell, down one cell, down one cell, over, over, over copy, you know, like that kind of thing, just like very deliberately telling it exactly what I would do by hand. Um, and then slowly working into like learning, um, you know, visual basic for applications. <laughs> like that's my, that's my nightmare background. <laughs> well, I, I forget the name of it. There was a, um, prior to, uh, well, it was a competitor for years with BB edit. I think it was called alpha. There was a, a programming text editor for the Mac, and it used uh, Tickle, TCL, as a scripting language, which was – it wasn't like its own invention of the language, but what they did – it was an open-source scripting language that I think has largely fallen out of favor in, in re- recent decades. But, um, you know, it's a sort of scripting language where anybody could look at it and sort of get the gist of, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, it wasn't like a weird language. It was like, oh, yeah, I kind of see what's going on here. Um, mm-hmm. But they embedded the interpreter in their app, and no no other Mac app used Tickle. So anything you did that you were scripting it was only within the text editor itself. There was no way to to do something with text and then send it to Excel or whatever. Apple, yeah. you know, having yeah. it as a system level technology is what made that possible. And and the fact that iOS doesn't have it, and the fact that it doesn't, you know, if reading between the lines of what Sal has has said publicly since he left, doesn't seem like it's in the plans either. So I think that's kind of worrisome. Yeah. And it would, again, another sign that it would make me angry if I were an iOS user. It would. <laughs> All right, let's take a break and, and uh, tell you about our good friends at Squarespace. Next time you need a website, just go to Squarespace and, and, and give it like an hour and just start making a website there. Click a template, find, find the basic template of the type of site you need. And they just, they have things to pick from. So like, uh, let's say you're, you're making a, a blog. You would, they tell you, here's, here's, you know, start with a blog. Or let's say you want to sell stuff, like somebody you know is making, you know, like a, you know, a bunch of crafts or something like that and they want to sell them. You just say, I want to build a store. And they, it just starts with that as the sort of, and then you pick styles, like what type of uh, fonts and colors and stuff like that. They have a slew of professionally designed templates. I mean, I don't know how many, but so many, so many that you don't have to worry about the fact that like, oh, if I go to Squarespace, it's going to look like a Squarespace site. It's like, they have so many templates. You don't have to worry about that. It's, you can make something that looks totally original and, and you just click and drag. You just drag which components you want. It's very visual. You don't have to do any coding whatsoever. It is a completely drag-and-drop visual tool. Very much, as we talk about these retro things, like in the way that uh, Illustrator never, ever, ever made you write PostScript to get vector art. Uh, Squarespace never makes you see HTML or CSS or JavaScript to make a totally dynamic modern website that it has everything you'd want on a modern website, including scalability from phones to tablets to big 27-inch displays. Um, could not be a better way to do it. And they handle everything. They handle everything. You can register your domain with them to get your domain name. They host it all. You don't need a separate hosting account. It's not like you build a website with Squarespace and you get a folder full of files that you have to upload and install on a hosting account. They host it. They host it. It's just all self-contained from getting the domain to hosting it to showing you traffic and stats and great analytics 
way better. Squarespace analytics are so much better than anything I have at Daring Fireball. It's absolutely embarrassing. Um, you can lock down your next move with a unique domain, your own website that they will host, and any site, any type of site you need to make. So go to squarespace.com and just go to squarespace.com slash talk show. That's the code. And just remember that code, talk show. And when you pay, you can start for free, but when you do pay, because you're going to build a site and you're like, I want to keep it. I want this site to keep going. Use that code talk show and you'll get 10% off. You can pay for a year at a time and save a ton of dough by using that code. So remember that our good friends at Squarespace love them. That's where you should go build your next website. Uh, you watch the Super Bowl? No. <laughs> I wish I hadn't. I know. I that's what I, I quipped that I was the I was the real winner because I did not watch the Super I Bowl. I wish I hadn't. Wow. As a somebody who put a little scratch on the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> that's heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, no, it's just I mean, it's really two teams that I just don't I didn't yeah. care about at all. So um I'm I just and I thought I can watch the you know, I can watch the commercials yeah. later. <laughs> uh I wrote a little bit. Well, here's something. Here's a story that came out. It, it, they're not new, but two stories came out in the last two days. There's a Fast Company story by, let me get his name, uh, Mark Sullivan. It came out yesterday. And headline, why Apple's 10th anniversary iPhone will likely cost more than $1,000. And the gist of it is that according to this guy, who says he has he has a source with knowledge of Apple's plans. That's how he attributes it doesn't say where the source is from is it from apple is it from the supply chain is it a bartender at uh, bj's in cupertino <laughs> i don't know but this guy <laughs> has a source and he says that what apple is going to do next year is come out with the iphone 7s and the iphone 7s plus which would be exactly in line with the past couple of years where they just take the new number version and then add an S. I mean, it doesn't say it's going to be called the S, but they're going to look exactly like the 7 and 7 Plus. Not like sort of like it, like the way that the 7 sort of looks like the iPhone 6 and 6S. Um, but that they are also going to introduce a new, even though they're going to come out with a 7S and 7S Plus with new stuff, they're also going to come out with an all-new industrial design um, with the, that's and it'll have an OLED display and it's going to go edge to edge, and it's going to be 5.8 inches instead of 5, and it's going to cost more. So even though they're going to introduce 7S and 7S Plus, they're going to, it, 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 instead of having them debut at the top of the line, there's going to be this new iPhone that's going to debut at the top of the line at an even higher price, starting at more than $1,000. Uh, now, that's not the $1,000 thing isn't ridiculous, because if you buy the high-end iPhone 7 Plus, it is like $969. So it's already, they've already, right. the top of the line, most expensive iPhone is already roughly $1,000. So it's not preposterous that the starting point of a new high-end one would be $1,000. Um, and So this is a 5.8, and this is the 8. Well, they're saying, they don't know the name, and he... They're and saying he that. even says, which which is what we've maybe heard of as the pro. Right, before. I think iPhone Pro, if they yeah. did this, was actually the more likely name, in my opinion. But we can get okay. to that because he also says the new five point eight yeah. inch phone will probably be called the iPhone eight. But so, this is Mark Sullivan writing. But some believe Apple will call it the parentheses far cooler sounding and parentheses iPhone 
X. Oh, that's right. I don't yeah. iPhone X. I can. I think that they. I, I would hope that they learned their lesson by calling Mac OS 10 Mac O spelling it with an X. <laughs> because for years, I think that the, a majority of people call, pronounced it I Mac OS X in like. Oh yeah, I would do that by mistake occasionally. And I knew, <laughs> I knew what it was called. What, what was the other one that they used to? Oh, the iTouch, the the calling the, calling oh, yeah, the yeah. iPod right. Touch, the iTouch. Right? There's way more people who mm-hmm. called it the iTouch than than iPod Touch. Uh, I think calling it iPhone, capital X. I mean, who knows? I guess if they do that, they should actually pronounce it iPhone X. If they're expecting people to pronounce it yeah. iPhone 10, then. No, that's a that's a big mistake. I was re- when I read that I was thinking it's iPhone X, not ten. Um, if they did call it iPhone X, I. But the thing is, like, where do you yeah, go from there? Because you can't add an you, iPhone you X. You can't add too. an S because it would sound like you're saying XS. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You can't put the S in front of it because then it would be like iPhone sex, right? <laughs> uh, I. Uh, Anyway, the second story is excellent. Um, <laughs> iPhone, uh, I don't know, FX, a 2FX. Yeah. I, just, just go back to 1991 <laughs> and call it the iPhone 2FX. Uh, <laughs> the iPhone, the iPhone Performa? K, today came out KGI's Ming Chi Kuo, the analyst who has the best sources in this. Now, he, he, he reports from. China, I think, or at least from Asia. And clearly his sources have always been in the supply chain, the supply chain that fills his stuff. He's been saying this for a while. This isn't new, but he's, you know, this idea that they're going to do new ones of the exact same form factor as the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus, and this new thing with 5.8 inch diagonal OLED display that might curve at the edges and is more of a chinless foreheadless edge to edge top to bottom design with a touch home home button that's actually embedded in the screen and is virtual not really a button etc these aren't new rumors but he reiterated this is pretty much i don't think anything in this report contradicts um anything in mark sullivan's report so i don't know if they have the same sources or similar ones but there's nothing really conflicting so it, it is that no. there's yeah. a little bit of a where there's smoke there's fire aspect to this. I think Sullivan's source might be cool. <laughs> Maybe. I, 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 <laughs> I think that that's a very high possibility. I, I, I think you, I, I would actually bet on that. But yeah. Quo has a pretty good track record. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, he's not right. Although I, although I think, I don't know, maybe it's possible. But usually these, I mean, the, one of the reasons why they do these reports is to advertise for their right. firm. So, um, it seems unlikely that he would uh, speak off the record like that. Well, but it's telling, though, that he came out with the report the next day. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? Here's a pet peeve. I've said this before publicly. I hate this. This is it's, if, if, if one of the ways that I wish if I had a magic wand that I would wave it, it would be that I hate when these sites, when they report on rumors of upcoming iPhones inevitably this report here is from nine to five Mac to say, you know, this is about the, the KGI report. They always illustrate the story with a user submitted mock-up of what a future mm. iPhone might look like, which mm-hmm. isn't based on, it's not like the source of the only way it makes sense to conclude an illustration is if you have a source 
who says they've seen it, and then you make one that looks like what the source is saying. Looks like whereas they yeah. always yeah. illustrate them with these things that people just make out of their imagination. Like it's not it. it it bothers me profusely because I know as a critical reader of the news, I know what this illustration is. I know to just ignore it, but I can't help it. I know that most people, if they glance at this are thinking, this is an illust- this is an illustration what, yeah. of the thing that they're talking about. So that's what it's going to look like. Yeah. Like imagine if, yeah. And I've had conversations with people, you know, like casual people, like people you meet someplace and you know, like, Oh, I saw a picture of it the other day. I was like, that's not really- like, imagine <laughs> if you had a news story that said, what it is. uh, uh, killer on the loose you know serial killer is on the loose in in town and you include an illustration of a man but the illustration of the man in in the story has nothing to do with the killer on the loose you just need right it's exactly make it's it's somebody's ideal version right. of a killer it's just a bald guy with a big bushy beard he's got he's got machetes right. for hands do you know what I mean? It's like whenever they used to talk about uh, the Unabomber back before they caught him, and they'd always have this story where there was, you know, they'd always have this illustration of a guy with a. Did he have a hoodie on? He had a hoodie and sunglasses. Yeah, with glasses, right? Right. Sunglasses. But it was based on. There was a witness one time who saw a yeah. guy that. You know, there was some kind of connection where law enforcement legitimately think they thought they had a witness who saw him mailing a package one time, and that, that it was a police sketch from this witness, and they would use the same drawing over and over again. It wasn't like they just randomly drew a guy, <laughs> which is what these <laughs> stupid illustrations of of future edge to edge iPhones are. Yeah. Anyway, I have problems with this. I, I don't. I, I don't disbelieve that this is Apple's plan. And, and there's so much. There's enough smoke now that I can't help but think this might be the this might be it that they're going to do an iPhone 7s and 7s Plus. And instead of introducing them at the top of the line, they're going to introduce a new. They're not going to push them down the line either. They'll keep the. I think they'll keep the prices the same. And instead, we'll introduce a new, heretofore, never seen tier above this. That's a very mm-hmm. Apple-like thing to do. Like whereas the rest of the industry races to lower and lower prices as quote-unquote smartphones become more and more commodities and the average selling price of a smartphone in general continues to drop it makes it, it's a very apple-like thing to do yeah. to say we're in such a position of prominence we're, we're so clearly the preeminent smartphone you know phone maker that we're going to move we're going to move it up i could see that but i have some problems with this plan though because everybody also seems to be reporting the same things that that this new device that the hot stuff is going to be um uh, they're going to have trouble making them in quantity. That it's you know that it's going to be supply concerned. The new iPhones have always been yeah because the, because they can't yeah, get the they screens. can't get the screens and the touch right. sensors uh more difficult. Um, mm-hmm. all of these reports have been very consistent. Now I don't know how many of them come from you know this one source. You know the KGI's um, Ming Chi Kuo. I mean maybe he's the only one and it's bullshit. But they they keep saying over again. The other thing that's reiterated is that they're going to. It's going to be an OLED on the front that goes edge to edge. It's going to have a touch sensor, you know, touch ID and a home button that is somehow embedded in the screen. Um, Apple has had patents. I mean, and again, I, I try to stay away from patents in terms of the connection of, well, if Apple filed a patent, they must be using it. No, they file patents for anything patentable, not just anything they use. But there is a patent that Apple has filed somewhere where it's uh, how to put a camera behind a display 
which would obviously be necessary if the screen goes edge to edge because you can't get rid of the selfie right. camera. I mean, that, that would be like the one thing Apple could do that would actually keep people from buying a new phone. Like, get rid of the headphone jack. Like all these tech reports, like, oh, you get rid of the headphone jack, nobody's going to buy this thing. It's everybody's going to wait a year to see if this you know takes off. No, it's like record breaking sales for the iPhone without the headphone jack. If they took away the selfie camera, people wouldn't buy it because yeah. people actually. Yeah, you, well, you, and you couldn't FaceTime. Right. You couldn't. There's always, you know, apart from just being able to take a picture of yourself, right. there's other stuff. <laughs> we know you love the do. selfie camera, but this edge to edge design is so beautiful. We just threw it away. <laughs> also, there's no <laughs> John, Johnny. Johnny took away. Your also, there's camera. no speaker, <laughs> so you <laughs> or, or there's no earpiece for holding the phone up to your ear. So you. Ha- I don't know, like the whole. So like, they're also speculating that it's not gonna. It might not have buttons like on the sides either. It's like, how do you reboot that phone? It's got to have one, right? There's, it has. It's got yeah, it to have something. Has to have at least one. Yeah. There's no, like at least one physical. Right. There's button. There's no way to. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you shake it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the iPhone shake. <laughs> I should start writing fake rumors again. <laughs> it would be funny if they made it like like an old Mac where it was sort of like the little hole for the SIM card tray where you'd have to poke a paper clip to, to restart. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I worry. That was like that. Like Hank, Hank found that action. So like, I, mean, I have two uh, classic Macs up in my office and, and he, he hasn't played with them in a long time. But uh, when he was younger, I, you know, he'd come up and I'd fish out my old floppy disks. And I mean, and I really think the thing that he liked, he liked, you know, like loading up some of the games and playing with it. But I think one of the things they liked the most was just like force and force ejecting a floppy disk. <laughs> With a, with a paper clip. <laughs> and the worst part was, is force, forcing the paper clip in was just pushing the button on the floppy drive mechanism. Because it wasn't like <laughs> yeah, Apple right. had their own floppy drives. They were just buying the ones from Sony that everybody else used, all the other PC makers. <laughs> yeah, they just like, yeah, they just, it up. They just, just for the sake of elegance, they, <laughs> they covered it up. Uh, that was brilliant, though. It was brilliant the way that it, it, under normal operation, you didn't eject the floppy disk. The system did. And so you'd have to, un- the only way to yeah. get it out was to uh, drag it to the trash. Although I, that metaphor, <laughs> dragging it just to the trash is one of those. That's what, that, that was, was a little, a little weird. weird because you. <laughs> <laughs> you tell somebody that the first time. What do you like, think dragging what? a floppy disk to the trash does? And I, I think the right answer is somebody, the, the correct answer in terms of what happened is it would eject the disk. But I think the right answer in terms of being able to intuit how the, the metaphors of the Mac worked would be, well, it erases the disk, right? <laughs> nope, yeah. it ejects yeah. it. <laughs> uh, they fixed it. It was funny. They fixed it in Mac OS X by having the trash can turn into an eject button as you drag a disk. Which is yeah, it yeah. works because it looks like an ejector, but it's it's still a little weird. Um, I my problem with this is that I think this is the phone that everybody's going to want, and if it costs more and is lower quantity and they can't sell it, who who's going to buy the seven S and seven S plus? I don't get it. Like who who's going to? I mean, I guess that there's a lot of people who are like, well, that new phone looks awesome, but I'm not paying over a thousand dollars. I I only want like a thirty two gigabyte iPhone seven, so I'm going to pay. Yeah. You know, six hundred dollars or whatever, six fifty or whatever, it costs for a, a thirty-two gig iPhone six or seven S. That's too much. So it's I that see much. that, but it's like uh, I don't know. It just seems it just seems a little weird to me that they're that they would do both. You know, why if they're going to come out with a new design, why not just say this is the new design? 
I guess because the price is so high. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess they want to do it. They want to make it, I don't know. Um, maybe they won't do it, right. but, <laughs> but if they want to do it, uh, you know, sell it at a high price because you can't, I don't know. I w- I'm not going to get that phone. I mean, the thing, the thing that bothers me about this report is there's nothing, there's no mention of a four-inch right, phone. Right, right, <laughs> right. Because that is sort of, that's what I want them to do if they have the technology to make edge-to-edge phones, is I want them to yeah. make a phone with the screen size of the iPhone 7, the 4.7-inch right. diagonal, and then make the phone just that size of that screen, which would be about mm-hmm. as tall as the iPhone uh, SE and a little wider. And I could take that. I could take it being a little wider, but but, yeah. but having it yeah. be that height, man, that would be great. That's the phone I right. wanted to make, and they're not right. making it. Yeah, I mean, and maybe that's the next. You know, maybe that's the next year. I guess I don't know, but I, yeah, you know, I mean, and I don't mind paying right. more for it. I mean, I was it was very nice not having to pay much for the iPhone SE, but I'm used to right. paying, you know, basically paying six fifty. So uh, I would, I would do that. I would but argue. I want the. I want. The, I just want the smaller phone with with. Modern I would internals. argue right now that the most beloved iPhone Apple is selling today is the iPhone SE. That the pe- meaning the people who have the yeah. iPhone SE know exactly why they bought yeah. it and they're delighted by it. I know you like it. My my mm-hmm. pal my pal Kudal, uh has one and waited waited for it. I mean, he's not he doesn't really follow this stuff religiously, but he just so did not want a bigger phone and he got the SE and he loves it. He he says it's the best thing he, the best thing he's ever owned period like gadget wise. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's what I think. Like the the best uh, Apple products I bought within at least the last year are the SE and AirPods. Yeah, I, I I well, I I love it. I mean, I I don't use the. I didn't buy an SE. I sent my review unit back, but it and ultimately is because I want the camera. Um, but I have mixed feelings, mm-hmm. and everybody yeah. I know who has like the iPhone Seven sort of has the. Well, I already have a bigger phone. I kind of wish I had that f- super fancy dual lens camera in the Seven Plus. And everybody has the Seven Plus. It's like I love this phone. I love how big it is. I love the all day battery life, but it is kind of big. You know, like Marco was Armand was just talking about on ATP where he keeps, you know, he's like fifty one forty nine each way, and every time he kind of commits to one, a second he goes there, the grass is greener on the other side, and he wants to go the other way. Whereas the <laughs> iPhone SE people know exactly what they want they want a phone with that super nice yep. hand feel pocket size uh you know the, the, for the people who know that that's what they want is a small phone the iphone se is absolutely amazing it's the best best device best iphone apple's ever made in some ways yeah and in, yeah no i would and I in would terms of so. and I'm, I'm not surprised one bit that they spent like months trying to get it into sufficient quantity to meet demand that this phone with year old mm-hmm. internal technologies was actually so popular that they couldn't keep up with demand yeah. So I don't know. I don't. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know what, it, what if this is what's coming out in the fall. I'm not. I'm not sure what I would. Yeah. What I'm going to do, because I don't. I don't want a bigger phone, and so and I don't want to spend. I mean, I'm certainly not going to spend a thousand dollars to get a gigantic phone, and I don't want to the other two. So I'm going to stick with my SE. The consensus <laughs> on, like I said, like the phone, ideal phone that I wish Apple would make was with 4.7 inch display. This display from the iPhone Seven with no chin or forehead, and yeah. if they can narrow the yeah. sides a little bit, that would be great. And that would be a phone that physically would be about as tall as the SE and a little wider, and I could take that. Everybody, the, the consensus, if you just draw a 16, you know, just take a piece of graph paper and make a 16 to 9 aspect ratio rectangle with a 5.8-inch 
diagonal, which is the size of this OLED display everybody's talking about. Um, that's roughly as tall as the iPhone 7. So you're not carrying around a plus-sized phone in height anymore. You've got like the, the smaller current iPhone, you know, the mid-sized iPhone in height. But it's a lot wider. Mm -hmm. It is a very wide phone. It's just, it, it, there's, you know, just take a piece of graph, you know, here's your homework, uh, listeners. You know, take a piece of graph paper and draw it. <laughs> I don't want a phone that's any bigger than, this phone is the biggest phone that I could possibly be happy carrying. So I don't want a phone that's the same height as this, but wider. I'm not saying I won't buy it, but I'm going to bitch about it every every <laughs> single week on this on this show. Uh, here, let me take a, a final break here and do our third and final sponsor of the week. It is our good friends at Casper. Casper sells obsessively engineered mattresses at shockingly fair prices. Go to casper.com/slash/the-talk-show and use that code the-talk-show, and you will save fifty bucks towards your mattress. Put an asterisk right there. Asterisk, that means I'm going to have a footnote at the end. So listen, I'll tell you what that footnote is at the end. Now, here's the deal. Casper created one perfect mattress. They have a team of engineers, mattress engineers. And instead of selling like six different types with different foam and different springs and different tech, you know, whatever. No, they just made one good mattress. So you don't have to decide. Who wants to decide? Let the mattress engineers decide. Like I, you buy a mattress, what, once every 10 years or something like that? You don't know anything about buying a mattress. Who does? But mattress engineers do. So they just made one. This is a very Apple-like way of doing things. Like you don't have to decide what your MacBook's made out of. Guess what? It's made out of aluminum and you're going to like it. Uh, you just pick the size. That's it. And because they make their own mattresses, uh, they can sell them to you direct, and the prices are way lower, unbelievably lower than the prices you pay in a traditional mat retail mattress deal. Uh, they also make their own pillows. It's an adaptive pillow with soft, breathable, and, and uh, uh, soft, breathable, breathable material, and they make their own sheets, so you can get all your bedding. Uh, all of this stuff is super high quality, premium quality, deluxe, deluxe mattresses, unbelievably good sheets, great pillow. I have one of their pillows, really great. Uh, and it's all completely risk-free. You say, I don't want to spend, you know, a thousand dollars on a king size mattress. And I'd never even tried it. You just try it. They ship it to you. It comes in a little box, at least little compared to a king size mattress or a queen or whatever you want. You open it up in your bedroom. It sucks up all the oxygen. So be careful. Because you could get hurt. You could asphyxiate. <laughs> like, open it and kind of like oh, make sure a window's open. And it fills with air. Early on, they had, yeah, early on, some engineers at Casper. Yes. <laughs> uh, you open it up. And then you get a 100-night home trial. Sleep on it for three months. And if you're not happy, I swear to you, they will, no questions asked, no hassle. This is not like returning your, you know, canceling your cable subscription where, you know, you have to like threaten them. No, they'll just say, oh, okay, okay. And then they'll say, when's a good time to pick it up? And they'll schedule a guy to come and pick it up and they'll take it away and you get all your money back. So go to casper.com slash the talk show. Remember that code, the talk show. You'll save 50 bucks towards your mattress. Next time you need a mattress, go to Casper. I swear it is great. Um, I've got my whole family hooked on these things. Um, uh, Here's the asterisk. They also sell a dog mattress. That's they sell say. a dog mattress. Yeah. I was going to say, when you get the dog, you can get one for the dog. The too. code doesn't work on the dog mattress because the mattress, the dog mattress is cheap enough that, that <laughs> they won't give you 50 bucks off. But your dog will thank you. <laughs> so that's the asterisk. You can't get the, you can't save the money on that. Oh, anything else? Anything else you wanted to talk about? I had a couple other things in the show notes. You see Samsung's, <laughs> Samsung had a factory catch fire. <laughs> Because of batteries. Yes. Just why? Because <laughs> of batteries they threw out. 
<laughs> they threw out a bunch of bum batteries and they caught on fire. I got a I got a note from I'm not going to say who, but I got a note from a, a somebody else in the media. It's, it doesn't. I, it's sort of like not sort of not an enemy of mine, but someone who likes to give me shit. And and he wrote that he he was like, I don't often have good things to say about you, but slow clap for this one, which was my link to this where I. I I wrote, the headline was Samsung factory fire triggered by discarded batteries. And my entire contents of the article was the rare case when a figurative garbage fire turns into a literal garbage fire. (laughs) Now, let's go. I call this show, the the show notes, this description of the talk show says it's the director's commentary for Daring Fireball, which is sort of apt. And I, I sometimes look at that and think it's not quite right. But to do like a real director's commentary, I will reveal my thinking behind this post where I knew I wanted to link to it. I, I, the joke came to me immediately, but I didn't know which way to do it. Put the straight news in the headline and make the joke in the body, mm-hmm. or should mm-hmm. I, should yeah. I use the headline? Uh, figurative garbage fire turns into literal garbage fire, right. and then have the body say Samsung factory fire triggered by discarded batteries. I couldn't decide which way to go. I kind of regret it. That's why I'm sort of talking about it now. Where I kind of feel like maybe it was a little more yeah. likely to go viral as a retweeted tweet if cuz the the thing that right. goes in the tweet is the headline. Yes. Yeah. And it and it comes off more as a a uh, uh an onion-esque thing except <laughs> <Yeah>. it's real. <laughs> Only I had that. Uh, that was one of the jokes I ran through my head too. It's just to write, and I try to avoid it because usually, if if the joke that comes to me is not from the Onion, there's a better joke somewhere because you could say it about a lot of things. But it really does. <laughs> it really does read like an Onion article, like one of the ones that doesn't even have the article where they just have headlines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about this week? Uh, I, I don't know. Do you, you're you're. Um, your site is is very political. It is. It is. Um, it is. I don't know what you. I don't know. Are, I don't know if you do that on the show. That no. Much, well, but, I, you know. I mean, I noticed that. I've noticed you've gotten some pushback from some readers. Uh, a little bit, but since this is the director, I will commentary. say this uh, that I have. I, I've actually in the recent years re- largely tuned out of obsessively watching the stats at Daring Fireball. Um, it roughly. Uh, it's not secret though. I'm not. I'm not secretive about it. A couple of years ago, it peaked out at around 4 million page views per month. And it collapsed when when Google Reader went away. I, it, 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 oh, yeah, I lost right. around a million page views a month when Google Reader went away. And seemingly, there were so many people using Google Reader who, when a new Daring Fireball articles would come up, they would go, you know, like, you know, open a new tab from Google Reader to read it on Daring Fireball. This isn't counting people who just read the RSS. This is people who come to the site. Google Reader had a tremendous impact on the page views. But I don't think it had any impact on the number of people who read Daring Fireball. This is why I didn't have never sold my sponsorships based on promises of page views. It's, you know, the just a loose estimate of how many people read the site, whether they come once a day or whether they come three times a day, it's readers that matter more than pages. Um, and slowly but surely, and lots of other people have noticed this too, page views are down. Um, but they've stabilized at like uh, somewhere between two point f- around 2.5 million page views per month. And that's super stable. That's been like like for the last 18 months. September is the only exception where September it goes up a little bit because that's when the iPhone 
news comes out. And I tend to be writing a little more and people are a little more interested. But other than September, it's pretty stable month to month. Um, uh, there's been no drop off since I've started writing more about politics. So all the people who've said, uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. lose, you know, I, I come to you to get away yeah, from right. this. You're going to lose readers. I haven't lost any readers or if I F. Yeah. Well, and you've always talked about it at right. least a little bit now right. and again. So it's not, it shouldn't, your views shouldn't be a surprise to right. anybody. I would not, I would not, uh, I didn't do this during the George W. Bush era. Uh, I would not have done it if John McCain had beaten, uh, Obama, mm-hmm. with one exception, which I will yeah. come back to in a second. And I almost certainly oh. would not have done it if Mitt Romney had beaten Obama four years ago with Paul Ryan. The exception is, and I did write about it then in 2008, was I was vociferously opposed to Sarah Palin as the vice presidential nominee on the grounds that she was completely, utterly, literally no politics involved, just unqualified and unfit for the job. As vice president, <laughs> like the like the president, we exactly have now. like. Except, I would. Would you trade Trump for Sarah Palin? Oh God, that's a close call. Maybe I would. I think I maybe. would. Maybe yeah. I think I would. Be- that's a really. I think I would thought. because I think she's completely unqualified, and I don't think she's a real reality. I don't think she's big on facts. Um, but I don't think she's uh, – on the other hand, I don't think – which I think are things that you really need. I think it's absolutely essential. I think this idea that you could be unhinged from reality. I know people say like unhinged from reality. It's a cliche, but I think that's literally what Donald Trump is. I think he's completely unhinged from yeah. reality. Uh, I, he's also – I think he's more vindictive yes, than she is. Yes, I completely agree with that. I completely agree that he's more vindictive. Um, I, I just – she can be a little. She can be a little vindictive, but <laughs> he's like he's turned it into an art form. I would take. It's a closer call. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, I would take. I would take Mike Pence. I'm hoping that 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 Trump yeah. gets impeached. Yeah, I'm hoping that there's some kind of plan in place yeah. in the Republican Party, and that. Yeah. I mean, he he is Mike Pence is, is reprehensible as a as a, as a I would think both right. a person and a, a politician. Um, but uh, I think he's he's much more yes. stable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he would, there's no doubt in my mind that he would not start a war on a lark. Uh, I, I really, right. I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, some of the, some of these comments that he's made, you know, he's very, he's very interested in making, um, like tiny nukes. Um, because he's, he seems like, he seems like sometime within the next four years, he wants to drop the nuclear bomb. Right. He's made the argument of why do we, why do we have them if we're not going to use them, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the truth is, we don't. Have, we we have them because we invented them, and it you know somebody else was going to invent them first, and it was strategically better for us to have invented them. But really, the whole point of having them now is to keep any, hopefully, keep anybody else on the planet from using them, which is from using them. right. right. <laughs> it's deterrence. Well, he doesn't. You know, guy doesn't know what the Start Treaty is. Well, and deter. The other thing is that the, the whole theory of nuclear deterrence is based on a chess-like series of strategic. If we do this, they might do. Here's what they might do in response. And at any step of the way, there's this logical aspect of okay. So it really makes the most sense for nobody to use them first, and it's. Mm-hmm the fact that there's like three or four logical steps involved to completely prevent this man from, from using it. I, it's really, to me, it's, it is politics in terms of it's commenting on politicians, but it's not, I, I'm still trying my best to avoid any sort of left, right divide. 
And the only aspect of it that doesn't involve Trump that I'm willing to write about is the stuff that I would consider out and out corruption, which to me shouldn't be a left-right thing, but unfortunately right. has become one. Like this thing yesterday where mm -hmm. I, I linked to a story about Trump's new FCC guy, which is sort of more along the lines of traditional daring fireball content, talking about the FCC and, and the stuff that they can regulate. But that one of the things that the regulations that he's he's targeted to get rid of is a thing to, to open up cable boxes to you know have laws in place to you know open up the cable box market well that's not a liberal idea you know that, that that's just anybody who's ever been frustrated with the shitty you don't have any options here's comcast gives you this box and you get it and that's it it, it and it sucks and you have to pay them a uh, hundred dollars a month to use it or whatever they charge it, that's not a politics. That's not a politics thing. There's not a single regular person in the entire country of 300 million people who wouldn't be better off if 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 that was the law of the land. And instead, the only people who it works for are people who pro, you know who own cable companies. Right. Right. So that's just out and out corruption in my mind. Or this other one that yeah. really gets me is this thing yesterday I linked to where uh, this Georgia Republican named Purdue has introduced resolution to 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 throw out a new package of rules for, for prepaid debit card, uh, 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 overdraft fees. Oh yeah. And yeah. this is the thing that yeah. affects overdraft low income fees. people, right. low income people who can't get a credit card. They go, and if they have the cash, you can get a prepaid debit card. And now you have a debit card that's prepaid and you can use it in places where you need a credit card. I mean, this is a thing that can really help people get back on their feet. Cause there's, you know, it's really hard to function in our society without a, a credit card or something that works like a credit card that you can swipe. Uh, and the idea that they would charge these completely usurious overdraft fees that the, the over and, and this company that is doing it in a favor of runs uh, the the payday what do they call payday loan places payday loans which yeah. are notoriously bad and need regulation because they charge uh, the type of in, the type Ridiculous. of interest yeah, rates that like, the Bible like tells you you know that, that this right. is wrong you know like. It's why the it's why the mob isn't that big anymore right. because they just they all went into right. business. I mean, <laughs> they don't have to. They don't and they have charge to be rates. They charge rates anymore. that are worse than what the mob ever charged people. Like when you go to a loan shark, yeah. it really you know. It's, uh, but the overdraft fees on these debit cards are actually higher than the payday loan interest rates. It's it, it, it it's absolutely the sort of thing that the government should be doing. It is not a liberal idea. It's not a democratic idea, a republican idea. It is exactly what the government, the idea of government, is meant to do. It's just it's created rules for society that help the population at large. There's nobody, nobody who gets hurt or is offended, uh, politically in terms of their political sensibilities when the when the penalty fee for overdrawing your de prepaid debit card is a reasonable low level. It's absolutely absurd, yeah. and it, of course, it turns out yeah. that they spent two hundred seventy. The company spent two hundred seventy thousand dollars lobbying Congress, including this shitbag from from Georgia, David <laughs> Perdue. But we don't talk politics. And there's that. I mean, there's that thing that the North North Dakota uh, legislature did. Mm. The, the there was a oh um, an initiative, a ballot initiative that would enforce um you know not enforce just on republicans but enforce ethics rules on any elected official and they convened an emergency session of the legislature to overthrow a voter approved ballot initiative for uh ethics requirements <laughs> right it was literally <laughs> just a ballot <laughs> 
Can't it was have that. direct democracy, <laughs> not uh, uh, representative democracy. Yeah. It is, yeah. And 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 you know, admittedly, you know, we have we have a lot of ballot initiatives out here, and a lot of them are are batshit insane and shitty. Um, and people don't always know what they're doing when they vote for some of these yeah. things. However, uh, in many cases, it's it's a way to to tell the legislature, hey, you know what? Screw you! You're not doing what we want you to do. Uh, and now you're going to, well, I guess not, you know, unless the, the you can have an emergency of, session. The cravenness like, of convening an uh, emergency session to, to undo it before it can take place is astounding, especially yeah. on something where it's just <laughs> ethics and government. It really isn't controversial. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can argue that Brexit never should have been a ballot initiative, that it's ex- right. Oh yeah, there's a perfect yeah, uh, example. That that's exactly the sort of thing that that that's why representative representative government is better than direct democracy. You know, it is a West Coasting ballot initiatives. We have them here, but they're all municipal. It's all Philly. There there aren't. I don't even think they're statewide. I don't think I've ever even seen a statewide ballot initiative. I don't think Pennsylvania has them. Philadelphia, yeah. the city does. Well, that's why you can't buy beer. <laughs> when you <want> to. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, otherwise that would have gotten overturned a long time ago. <laughs> Have I ever? Uh, no, it's actually funny. There actually is not popular appeal in Pennsylvania for this. I, I don't know. I know you're right? running it short on time here, but yeah, yeah. But the gist of it is, Pennsylvania, when when prohibition was repealed before prohibition, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia had the highest per capita number of bars in in the 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 country. There was something like a bar for every forty men, something like that. Um, and Philadelphia was a fantastically wet town during prohibition. None of the bars closed. They all just claim to close <laughs> just stayed open and the police never enforced it <laughs> um but pennsylvania had a pro prohibition governor at the time i forget the idiot's name but when prohibition was repealed uh he created what was called and still is to this day called the pennsylvania liquor control board and he publicly said this was because he was pro prohibition he was against the repeal of it but even though it had been repealed but he was still pounding the you know, sort of like uh, where where you can still today be uh, uh, abortion should be legal, illegal politician, even though it's been the law of the land for forty four years. Mm-hmm. You know, it, politically, yeah. it, it seemingly wasn't political death to be pro prohibition. He created the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board with the stated pur- stated purpose of making it as difficult as possible to get it alcohol in Pennsylvania as 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 he could, and that was where <laughs> that's where all all liquor comes from and we've got these crazy laws where they're starting to get softened up a little bit like supermarkets are starting to get special licenses where they can sell beer um but you can't buy beer in a supermarket you can only buy cases of beer from a quote-unquote beer distributor and a beer distributor can't sell beer in anything less than a case uh so you can go and buy a six-pack but at this place where you buy a six-pack you can't buy more than 12 beers at once uh, it has to be in two separate six packs. If you go to buy a case of beer, you can do that. You can buy wine and spirits in the the state controlled liquor stores, and only through the state controlled liquor stores. And anyway, we had a Republican governor a couple of years ago named Corbett who wanted to abolish the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board and just make Pennsylvania a normal state where you could, you know, like the places where you buy beer and wine are just independent businesses, <laughs> and yeah. it didn't have yeah. popular support. Because the way that the opposition, the way they defeated it, was the the liquor liquor store employees are all it's a union job, and the union the oh, union yeah. ran ads saying you know we have I, I think there's I don't know six thousand uh-huh. people employed by the liquor stores, this guy's going to cost us six thousand jobs. Now this is in a state with I don't know. 
I forget it, what the population of Pennsylvania is, but it's like 20 million or something. I don't know. But 15, yeah, 15 right. It's not, 10 it's, million, it's a, 10, 20 million people, 6,000 jobs are going to be lost without, you know, addressing the fact that every single person who gets hired by, by the new liquor stores that would open up would have a job that didn't exist. So mm-hmm. that just gets it. But, but just he's going to, you know, getting away with this, getting away with the state stores would eliminate 6,000 jobs was enough to kill it politically, which is crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy. <laughs> so we, we are here. We, um, we now get, um, uh, beer, wine, and liquor in really at the grocery store. Yeah, I wish. But can't buy That's any awesome. of it. So if you want to, I always say my analogy is if you want to buy, uh, if you want to buy like your, your ingredients to cook dinner, uh, 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 a bottle of wine and a six pack of beer in Pennsylvania, you, you, there's no possible way that you're not going to three stores. You have to go to three <laughs> separate stores. <laughs> it's crazy. All right. My thanks to you, John Moltz, People can enjoy you as at Maltz on Twitter. Uh, they can hear your melodious voice on. Uh, you're, are you on several podcasts? Oh my god! How so many, many podcasts? podcasts? Which ones do you want to pitch? Yeah. Turning this car around. Uh, it's a parenting podcast with John Armstrong and uh, the Rebound. Yeah, with John Armstrong and oh. the other guy, and um, the Rebound with Dan Morin and the other guy, who is Lex Friedman, and uh, I do the Aerocast with Dan and Guy English. What the hell is that? It's about Arrow. It's about oh. a TV show. Oh, okay. I, I don't, that's why I don't listen to that one. All right. My thanks to our sponsors, Casper. <laughs> Go to casper.com slash the talk show next time you need to use mattress and you'll save 50 bucks unless it's for your dog, in which case, though, you'll just be rewarded by the, the <laughs> happy dog. Uh, Squarespace, mm-hmm. squarespace.com slash talk show. Know the, use that to get 10% off. And last but not least, Setapp at setapp.com, where you can pay 10 bucks a month and get access to an entire library of great independent Mac utilities with no strings attached, no catch, 10 bucks a month, and you just subscribe to a whole bunch of great apps. My thanks to them.